Hey everyone, get ready for something new. Thanks for joining in for this week's sermon podcast. As far as I can tell, this is episode number 282. Of course, this is the first time I've added any commentary before or after our weekly sermon, and that's what's new. Uh, What I plan to do is each week introduce the sermon that I've just preached, and after it's done, leave you with a few additional thoughts. I think it's going to be fun and engaging. Now, my last sermon didn't get recorded, and it's unfortunate because it was the best one ever. So what I had to do was go back into the archives, and my archives is a big external drive. I don't mean just big and file size. It's actually big. That's how old it is. I found a sermon from 2007. It's not even uploaded as a podcast. Now, there were other ones, but I couldn't bear anyone else having to hear those again. So here for this week's uh, sermon podcast, here is an old sermon entitled, Dear John. Now, no one knows for sure where the Dear John letters came from. There's a lot of speculation, there are a lot of ideas, but no one's quite for certain. But there is one um, origination, if you will, that's kind of popular, kind of common, that most people will have say they've heard. And actually, this uh, despicable sign of just, you know, just fill in the blank, it's horrible it is, actually it's Properly thought to have developed from the American woman. Oh, I'd love to go on with that, but I love my life a little too much, so I'm going to leave that alone. But it goes like this. As our young American men began to go out in World War II, they left with the hope of returning to their one true love. They left with the hope that when they came back, that special girl, that girlfriend, or that wife would be there waiting for them. And as these gentlemen went out, sometimes they were gone for months. As you know, sometimes they were gone for years. And some of them would receive these letters. Letters would come kind of out of nowhere, and it'd be a letter they'd never forget. And these letters would start, Dear John. Now, obviously, if your name isn't John, it didn't say Dear John. But the point was, it didn't say Dear Johnny. It didn't say My Beloved, My Love, My Boo. It didn't say anything like that. To the fact, Dear John. And the rest of the letter, usually pretty short, short, went on to tell John or whoever, when he got back home, she had chosen somebody else. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of cold-blooded. Any of you ladies ever done anything like that? You know? But at least, I'm going to say this, at least some of those guys got a letter. Let me tell you what God got. He got priests that did not remind the people of what God had done for them. He got people that were supposed to interpret the law, who didn't care about what the law said, 
didn't worry about following the law. Then he got leaders, what we would call pastors, who disobeyed him, who transgressed against him. So we probably assume that they led other people to do the same. Then he even got prophets, supposedly his prophets, supposedly prophesying his words. But he got prophets that would prophesy in the name of another God. Now, I don't think they wrote it down. I don't think the letter started, Dear God. But in their actions, in their everyday lives, these people had told God, God, you are no longer our God. Now, if you're like me and I'm reading that, I'm thinking, you know, I've heard the story before, and that's true. But today, as we hear Jeremiah's words, uh, we get a different look at it, I believe. And just a few pieces of information about Jeremiah. One is, um, he's probably the prophet that we know the most about, both in terms of historical reference, when he was born, all that kind of stuff, when he received his call, but also the most that we know personally, his, his emotions, his own struggles, that kind of thing. You read his letter, you find a lot of these, what they call confessions. What we find, also know about him, what we also believe, is that he came from a, a priestly family even though he never took on a priestly role. In fact, during most of his ministry, he was at odds with the priests. Jeremiah also struggled. There were times that he really doubted God. There were times that he just wanted to run away, stay gone by himself, leave his commission as a prophet, leave all his people there. Even times that he wished that he'd never been born. God knows how to pick them, doesn't he? There's something else about Jeremiah. He believed what he said. And no matter how harsh, harsh the message, message was that he had, he told that message. Even though the message got him in trouble. Even though he was persecuted for that message. He held true to the words God gave him. And then the reading that Jeff just provided for us. I believe we see a new Im image. Even though we're hearing the same old story again, we've got these people going back and forth. I believe through this image that God gives us, we have just a small look into the pain that God has over his people. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, the people's rejection bothers God for a couple of reasons, at least. Uh, first, at least a couple that I want to look at. First, is the couple verses before that, he tells the people to go two different places. What's interesting about these two different places, one was to the <coughs> excuse me, east and one was to the west. So in other words, God is saying to his people, go to the east of you and go to the west of you. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find pagans. And you know what those pagan people are going to be doing? They're going to be worshiping their pagan gods. They're not even gods. But you know what? They're worshiping their gods. There's none of this back and forth stuff. 
The gods that they say they serve, they serve them. But my people, here we go again. Secondly, as I read that, I see God as a parent. A parent who kind of sees a few steps ahead of a child. And we know kind of what's best for them at a certain point. What they probably should be doing or should not be doing. That child takes that information and goes another way. Parents, you know how hard it is to deal with that, don't you? When your children don't do what you know is best for them. I wonder how God feels about that. The truth is, I think, when we look at this, truth for us, I believe, has to be that we've all written our letters sometime. We've all gone the other way. Now, the other image that he has here, these images of a fountain and these cisterns, and uh, it didn't rain much in this region, but when it did, uh, uh, you had an option. You're living in the desert. Thirst is always going to be an issue for everyone. So in the desert, you had two options when it came to your thirst. One, you could take advantage of the countless hidden springs that could provide water. And the water that these springs would provide was a cool, pure, refreshing, and abundant supply. You could access that water with relative ease. Now, your other choice was to get water from a cistern. And essentially, a cistern would be a well, a big hole that was dug in the ground. And whenever it did rain, these holes were dug in certain places so that the water would collect, right? And then that's the water that you would use until the next time that it rained or until the next year, whichever came first. Now, this water from these cisterns were notoriously known for not being very reliable. I mean, just think about what happens to water after it stands and stands and stands by itself. And and not even that. Think about, you know, these, these holes have to be in a certain place. And for you to get water out of them to take home, you've got to use these big jars. And so you go to fill up these jars, you've got to carry these jars home. For one, they're heavy. Two, they had a tendency of, of cracking. So imagine there you are living in your home in the desert. One day you're just a little thirsty. You go to drink your water. Find out that all your water's leaked out. It's cracked. It's broken. I think God is telling us that you and I have a choice of this. Or this. And I think that image probably had to have touched the hearts of the people that first read it. Because like I said for you, the truth is, we've all written our dear God, dear John letters. We've all chosen the one for the other. Now maybe you didn't do the prodigal son gig. Or you didn't get rid of all the riches or anything like that, but maybe you are. But think about just the relationships that we have with each other. Let's start there. Men, think about your relationship with your wife. Women, think about your relationship 
with your husband. Think about our relationships with our children, co-workers, neighbors, our friends. Think about our church. Have we as a church ever failed to be an obedient church? Have you ever not loved God with your whole heart? Or have you ever failed to do his will? Have you ever broken his law? Have you ever rebelled against his love? Have you ever not loved your neighbor or not heard the cry of the needy? Some of you will recognize that as one of our prayers. and We'll pray it in a few minutes. But if, if even, the, even the smallest of those sounds familiar to us, the something we've done, then yes, indeed, we've all written our letters. One night, Jesus had been invited to a, a dinner. He attended this dinner, and as he reclined at the table, I have to imagine that all the religious leaders that wanted him there for their reasons, their eyes were just stuck on him. It tells us in the reading that Jeff gave that they were watching him. Now, Jesus didn't wait for them to strike first or to try to trap him. There was a man that was standing there, a sick man, and Jesus gave him a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I wasn't there. I don't know the Pharisees, but I'm going to have to assume that their first answer in their minds, in their hearts was no. That's work. We don't work on the Sabbath. The food that we're eating right now was actually prepared yesterday. Because if it was prepared today, somebody would have to work to cook it. So healing is work. We don't work on the Sabbath. They didn't say anything. And if that's true, what do you think was going through their mind as Jesus took that man, healed him, and sent him on his way? Now, maybe the, the stairs got a little more intense. Maybe there was some mumbling, some grumbling, and there was, maybe they picked up the stones. I don't know. It doesn't say anything. But then Jesus told him this. He asked him this. Which of you shall have a son or an ox fall into a well and not immediately rescue him on a Sabbath day? One for Jesus right there. But did you catch that? If we're thinking about these words from Jeremiah... Apparently, the idea of a person or an animal falling into one of these wells, falling into one of these cisterns, was not a far-fetched idea. Think about it. What happens if, if your animal falls in and you didn't know your animal fell into a well? Isn't that your drinking water? Ew? Anybody? Yeah. Are you all with me? What happens when one of God's children falls into a well? Now, I can't tell you what to do. But for today, I, I want you to so bad to put into your hearts this morning. 
this idea. This idea that whenever you are in a well, whether you've put yourself there intentionally or not, whether someone's pushed you in, whether you jumped in by yourself, doesn't matter. Whenever you are in the well, be reminded that God still has a living fountain of water. Quite frankly, I know most of the times when I'm in my well, I can say that I'm there because I have chosen, as Jeremiah puts it, to change my glory that God has given for something that does not profit. Either I was too busy chasing my own ambitions or my own goals or I was too worried about someone else's perception of me. Or I was too busy chasing someone else's goals. Whatever it was, it wasn't God first. That's why I got in my well. Too many times I've tried to take my own place at the table. And my place, you know, it's got to be the best place. But the fact is, that place, that best place, isn't reserved for you or I if we want to be there. In fact, that place probably belongs to someone that we would think doesn't belong to be there. That's okay. Because what I've learned is that a life of meekness, humility before God, gives me that place. It's taught me that God's got all the honor anyway. There's no sense in me trying to fight for it. It tells me that since God has all the honor, since God deserves all the honor, my response, response then should be to live a life of thanksgiving, worship, and service to others. You and I have the same choice this morning. We all have our cisterns. We all know how burdensome they can be, how much work, what kind of emotions come out of these? My invitation to you, brothers and sisters, is to replace this with this. Be reminded of the living water that is Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sisters and brothers, I think any preacher who listens to her or his sermon from 10 or 15 years ago would want to change a few things they said. And that's certainly true for me. But the message is still the same, that God offers to us much more than we have for ourselves. And what God offers to us is life giving. And every day we have that choice to choose the life that God truly as for us. Now, that's an easy thing to say, sometimes a more difficult reality to live. And I understand that. I know what it's like to have a life, to have children, to have responsibilities and all those other kinds of things. But what we learn in our life with God is that those other things, as important as they may be, they do not compare to the glory of God in our lives. And so we just have to learn to prioritize uh, the things that God has asked of us, knowing and believing, trusting that God gives us those things so that we can live into his fullness. So thanks be to God for the unending love and word that we share together. So thanks for listening uh, this week. Uh, next week, we'll have 
uh, next week's sermon. You won't have to hear an old, old sermon. You'll have to hear the newest sermon, which may or may not be just as good or bad, however you hear it. Amen. Uh, have a great rest of the week. Make sure to check out the other stuff we have online at anotherjohn.com. And I hope to see you soon. God be with you.